Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Gamby Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Guys, I'm joined today on this delightful Tuesday by Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Back there, of course, we've got Ray Ora working away. Beside him, running the show today, Jonathan Voico, And right beside him, of course, Taylor Gonzalez. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. The way you get a live comment or question is that at the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. When we do... That'll be your time to fire in your thoughts, theories, opinions, or questions, and we will address those in the second part of the show. However, you'll have to get them in quickly because we only leave the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes. Also, want to let you guys know a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will be having Open Mic. And uh, I will be doing that one today solo. I'm looking forward to doing that because all the rest of the guys are going to be busy doing some other things. And I hope you guys will join me for that. All right. Hey, before we get started, Rob. Uh-oh. Yesterday, hell froze over. I don't know if you saw it in the weather report. Uh, you know, I saw something in Anaheim. Yep, I, I went to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Only because the place I doubt I would never go again. <laughs> Only because my wife really wanted me to go. We had two friends of ours who really wanted to go, and they had like an all-covering free pass. A park car professor, they were like, John, don't worry about it. You don't have to give Disney another dollar. We've got to just, we just want you to come with us. I'm like, fine, I'll go. And... I've, I, I really do believe Disneyland is nothing but a big scam. And holy shit, I am more convinced of that than ever. Because we pull up to Disneyland, right? Now, I don't know what the actual price for a full-day park hopper ticket is. I, I, I don't know off the top of my head because I had a free one. It's a lot. It's a lot, right? So I go, and as soon as we pull up to Disneyland, the first thing we see is parking, $30. Parking, just to park your car, $30. And I'm like, you and two friends could go to a movie today for about that price, for the price that they want you to give them for parking your car. All right, fine. Now, the last time I went to Disneyland, if you wanted to get on a ride, but you didn't want to stay in the line for too up long, you went and got a Fast Pass, right? Fast Pass is, hey, come back in about two and a half hours, You'll get in line. You won't have the full line. You'll get in a little bit quicker. You know, this was a nice little system. Well, apparently that's gone. And now there's this thing called the Genie Pass, right? The Genie Pass. It's like it, it kind of it's it's Fast Pass, but it's it's on the app and you use it that way. Oh, okay, great. Let's do that. Oh, twenty dollars. Wait, what? Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks to use what was the free Fast Pass system. All right, 20 bucks. Then I'm like, okay, they're, so they're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, you know, I really do like, my favorite ride is the Indiana Jones ride, but I've only been on the Rise of Resistance once, and that is a very impressive ride. That's a great feature. Let's go do that. Uh, where do we find that on the Genie Pass? Oh, no. No, 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 you see, you paid $20 for the Genie Pass, but that don't get you on the big popular rides. You got to pay extra. For that, like, unless you want to go stand in line, I think the, the wait time was like 
two and a half hours, 235, something like that. No, 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 no. The genie pass that you spent $20 on. So you can do fast pass for the rest. Yeah, that's that's good for if you want to ride Winnie the fucking Pooh. That's fine for that. Go do poo. But if you want to get on Rise of the Resistance, <laughs> go do poo. By itself. $25. $25 for a five-minute, very good, very, very, very good ride. But for a five-minute ride, $25. So before you've done fuck all in this prince. <laughs> of scams called Disneyland. You've paid 30 bucks for parking, $20 for a genie pass, so there's your 50, and then you $25 to get on that one fucking ride. You've paid 75 bucks before you've done dip shit, and then you're thinking, oh my God, I'm a little bit hungry. So we sit down at this place. Don't ever complain about movie theater concession prices, because we sit down at this place, and it was like, it was like a, a fries with some meat in it, so uh, I don't know if you call those Irish nachos or, or what do you, but anyway, fries with some meat in it, right? $22, $22. And I'm like, my God. And you know, we were talking about this before the show started today and uh, Taylor brought up a great point. He goes, how are you, how can you be a family of like three or four or five people? Because that, that, that $25 to get on Rise of Resistance, that was just for me. Like you got family of five, Congratulations, that's 125 bucks to you and the little kids. Yeah, I have an emergency. Yeah, I need a wambulance uh, being sent here. I just, I could not get over. I could not get over what an absolute fucking scam Disneyland is. So what you're saying is it's not the happiest place on earth? If I could have, without getting in legal trouble, dropped trow and pinched a deuce in the middle of their glory street, whatever it's called. Main street. The log ride. <laughs> the log ride. The log ride. Wow. You would have had to pay $30 to I pick it up. Done that. I don't even clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. You would have paid $30 to clean it up. Wow. It was, I don't know, man. I don't know. Go to Universal, guys. Go to Universal. If you're in LA, go to Universal instead. Much better experience. for You get much more bang for your buck. Considering you're spending far less bucks. But anyway. Anyway, guys, that's me with my whining and complaining of the day. Fuck Disneyland. I'm just reminded why I don't go back to that you know, stupid a lot, shithole. A lot of those prices probably make sense for people who like go there once every blue moon. I haven't been yeah. there. I haven't been there in like 11 years, I think. But it was like never I like that where really? they just yeah. grifted you at every turn. I mean, oh, yeah, that's cost there, but not like yeah. not like that. Uh, just kind of crazy. Anyway, <laughs> with that all down, guys, let's get into some. You didn't come here to hear me cry and complain about Disney shit. Sure we did. You came here for us to talk about our favorite things today, movies and movie stuff. So let's start things with an off the top. And our first one is this. You know, with all the big news that's been going on and around with stuff regarding uh, DC and the takeover there with James Gunn and Peter Safran, I, I, I believe the absolute best news that could have possibly happened with DC for, for the first time in a long time, I feel super optimistic about the future of DC, even if, and we don't know it doesn't, but even if it means my beloved Henry Cavill won't be playing Superman anymore, which we don't know if he will or not, but we know it's, it's up in the air. We'll see. One of the big questions that I keep getting, I literally got it from three separate people over the weekend uh, that people wrote in to our, to our mail-in section asking, but will James Gunn direct anything and you know rob you and i've talked about this a little bit over the past couple of weeks about with james gunn who is such an incredible director whether you're looking at super or you're looking at slither my favorite film of his by the way is slither it's absolutely amazing uh whether you're talking about guardians or 
Peacemaker or, or his Suicide Squad, which was fantastic, even if it didn't do anything financially. It was a fantastic movie. Wouldn't it be a bit of a shame, though, if him taking over DC Studios means he can't really direct? Because, Rob, you've directed... You've a lot of people forget sometimes that when we say you're a director, yeah, but you actually directed a film with William Shatner, right? It's true. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably for you over a certain period of time was all consuming. Like directing isn't something, isn't a hobby. It's not something you do no. for one or two hours a day, right? It's it's pretty much all consuming when you're making that film. Yeah, and I I, I also co-wrote the script and edited the film, so it was. <clears throat> Yeah, it was all consuming. And not only that, John, before we got to make the movie, we had to go to meetings for the better part of a year to convince people to give us the money. <laughs> so, you know, you're you're wandering around talking to people and then uh it, it it is. And I would say then once we made the movie, we went on the festival circuit. So it was a it was a two year proposition once we had the script. Right. To try and get the money to make the movie, to edit the movie, to put it through post. It was there you go. There's there's Eric McCormack from Will and Grace. That was Ray, in your movie as well. Rafer Weigel, who just, uh, he's now the, the latest, uh, he's in San Diego. He's a sportscaster. I mean, uh, he's on the uh, 10 o'clock news. Oh, he's nice. the news anchor. And Shatner. And by the way, shot, that is the late lamented Iliad bookstore in LA before it moved. But yes, I mean, it was a two-year proposition, all-encompassing. Right. And at the same time, because this was an independent movie, I didn't have any other money, so I was having to edit and do other things to make but even money. if you weren't editing it you would have to be in there with the overseeing the oh, edit yeah. overseeing all the posts so like now okay so take that and understand that running a studio we've talked recently about how kevin feige has just lost control of i mean i don't mean he's lost control but i mean he he can no longer have the type of oversight over marvel anymore because there's so much going on with marvel that is a full-time job yeah running a studio is a full-time job so it has really confounded me how James Gunn will direct or could direct movies while also trying to run a studio. However, that being said, continuing to direct some of the movies, he will. Now, I'm going to refer us back to an article in The Hollywood Reporter that came out uh, back at the end of October. This is the one that announced the world. This is the one that shocked all of us, that James Gunn and Peter Safran were taking over DC Films. Now, in a paragraph in that it says this gun this is in the hollywood reporter will focus on the creative side of things with dc while saffron will focus on the business and production side both are expected to continue to direct and produce projects respectively uh, peter saffron's not a director so the directing part was clearly referencing james yeah. gunn so according to that very first for a lot of people have been writing and asking Will James Gunn ever direct again? Because it's great that he's running the studio, but it'd be a real shame if we lose him as a director in this DC universe. Well, according, referring us back again to that first article, that he does intend to continue to direct. Now, can we expect him to direct at the same amount of stuff that he's directed in the past? Obviously not. He's got a new full-time job. And Rob, even though, you know, he has said, The Hollywood Reporter reported it, he's still planning on directing films. I don't know how the hell you do it. Now, at least he's got a partner in Peter Safran that can shoulder some of the load. But, you know, looking back at your time directing Free Enterprise and, you know, you directed uh, television as well. And all that kind of stuff, could you imagine? I mean, how could you picture that period of time that you were directing Free Enterprise and having another 
full-time job. Like, it, it, that blows I, my mind. No, no. I, mind. I, well, the only way I could see it happening is if, obviously, they're going to have multiple projects. They would have to spend the time before James went into pre-production and set up a slate. So if you set up a slate and hired three or four directors to begin making movies, and James being one of those directors, those films would all leave the station and, and they would they would have them, you know, they'd go on the, the tracks to get made. Peter Safran would have to oversee the producing of it, and James would be making one of his movies. Hmm. He would be there to consult, but you'd, you'd have like three or four films being made at the same time, concurrently, because then they couldn't do anything more. So then after he would shoot, I mean, principal photography, if you figure if it lasts like 100 days. So he'd be off the he'd be off the grid directing for, a little over three months. Yeah. And but then there's all the pre-production. I, I, I can't even the... dude, I can't even. I can't even imagine. You'd you'd have to have but then again, on the other hand, as somebody who's now directed four major tentpole movies for studios, one for Warner Brothers, three for Disney, he would be probably pretty good at delegating to people. And he'd have to have uh, his assistants. He'd have to have a great staff. He, I'm sure he would have a staff of people, and they would they would manage. He would manage his time within an inch of its life, within a second of its life. Like he might even get into work before he directs and spend two hours of time on studio business before he got to set. Oh, It'd be well, brutal. It would be brutal. Brutal. I I can't even imagine. Let me throw something by you here. You know, often people talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it's it's treated. I haven't heard them say this in a while, but during phases one, two, and three, a lot of people often compare the Marvel Cinematic Universe to, like, say, a television show. And, and the, each new episode comes out, right? Let me throw this by. What do you think about this? You and I have both said that going away from the Marvel formula, because formula doesn't do shit, going away from the Marvel formula start the new d by the way we don't know there's going to be a new dceu uh, right we, we don't know if they're rebooting universe or not that is one of the possibilities but we don't know that just want to give that caveat there but if they did starting off the new dc universe bam right out of the gate justice league right out of the gate in television we know that the first they always tend to bring in their biggest or best director for the first episode because the pilot episode of a television show sets the tone for what the whole show needs to be modeled after what about a James Gunn-directed Justice League movie? He's he's the head of DC. He sets the tone for the entire DC universe. They launch it out with the Justice League movie. I, I don't know. Do you think that's something that could possibly I, happen? I, I, I do. And, you know, somebody somebody tagged me on Instagram yesterday and, and talked about the fact that I had brought up, if he went and did the more comedic version of Justice League International, the comic from the mid-'80s that Kevin McGuire drew, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that James Gunn should make an all-out. No, of course not. No, we don't believe Justice that at all. League. But but what I was talking about is a different tone. Tonally, like the Guardians of Forever is not an overtly comedic movie. It's not a yuck yuck comedy. It has a lot of comedy in it, but it has a lot of serious pathos. I mean, the movie opens with Peter Quill's mother dying, dying of, cancer. of cancer. Yeah. So the thing that I was saying is that what. What, what the DCEU, I think, overall, what they're looking for is a more fun, lighter, buoyant tone the way Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, dude, Slither's got some brutal stuff in it, but it's hilarious. At the it's, same, it's a great horror comedy. It's yeah. a great horror comedy, and, and James Gunn knows how to weave in and out of those tones, which is something that 
we talked about Man of Steel. As much as you and I, you and I really like Man of Steel. Like I love, I I love that Man movie. of Steel. But it. even you agreed with me when I said what it is missing is that joy, a little bit of joy, that yeah. fun joy. And by the way, by design, it was not. It's not a movie that failed to do something. Man of Steel was exactly the movie Zack Snyder wanted to make. I really liked it. I always saw it as a very serious first contact science fiction bent on Superman. It didn't have the Smallville, you know, running. Clark is working for the football team and somebody dumps over all the uniforms. He has to clean them up. You know, it wasn't that. But what the DC universe needs, I think Aquaman had that joy in it. It did. It had that nice mix. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so that's where I would say that we're looking for him to go. But like you said, he will set the tone. He could direct the pilot, so to speak, and then he'll hang back and then do studio business and, and shepherd three movies into existence while he finishes his. I mean, I could see it working. It's I don't envy him. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about that? James? I think, I think the vast majority of us who have any common sense are pretty damn happy that James Gunn is going to be running the DC Universe with Peter Safran. But how is he going to pull off actually directing films? If he does, should he do the first one right out of the gate to kind of set the tone? I don't know. Whatever you guys think is going to happen, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top here, shall we? And that is this. I don't know if you knew this, Rob, but this week, potentially the biggest film of the year is opening up. I've heard something about that. Avatar 2, the sequel to the biggest box office hit film of all time. Avatar 2, The Way of Water opens up this week. And last night in Los Angeles was the premiere. They had it last year, so the stars were there, studio people were there, guests from the media were there, all that kind of stuff to watch Avatar. There's one person who wasn't there. I know. James Cameron was not there. Uh, This came out in the news there that James Cameron, unfortunately, who has poured, I don't know, 13 years of his life into getting this movie together, into getting this uh, way of water movie together. He had to miss his own premiere because unfortunately he caught COVID on a flight. He caught COVID on a flight. And James Cameron said this. He said, I am in LA just back from Tokyo and I managed to pick up COVID on the plane. So I'm isolated and I can't go to my own premiere tonight. The number of people I've told over the years, ah, we'll catch up and I'll see you at the premiere. Well, I guess not. Man proposes and God disposes. (laughs) That's what James Cameron said. (laughs) Oh, and screw Marvel. No, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. (laughs) You almost expected him to say that. But no, he did not. He did not say that. So unfortunately for Cameron, uh, being able to launch and celebrate the, the, the birthing, this thing he's been gestating for 13 years, the birthing of, of Avatar 2, he was not able to be there, which is unfortunate and sad, but it is what it is. All right, that being said, we are now, we're a little over maybe 49, 49 or 50 hours away from this movie just opening wide and being available to everyone in the world. This thing's coming into the theaters a little over 48 hours from now. I'm seeing it at 3 p.m., local time on Thursday. So the world's getting ready to see it. Rob, we've seen the reviews. We've heard the reactions. We've watched the marketing is done. We, we've we talked ad nauseum about, you know, uh, the anticipation and has it been too long, whatever. But we're now in the home stretch, Rob. This movie's about to open. The sequel to the biggest film of all time. Where are your expectation levels right now for this? And and how do you think it's going to do? They're all, Look, they're off the charts. 
I'll be honest. You know, I watched the my extended version of Avatar. The it's sixteen minutes longer than the theatrical. Uh, I watched that this weekend in anticipation. The film's lost none of its power. I mean, people talk about first of all, story wise, structure wise, it might emulate other stories, but the execution, the wonder, the technology, the effects, the emotion. Uh, the boss battle at the end, which is an epic multi-tiered battle. Watching it again, John, I hadn't, I hadn't watched Avatar in years. I loved it. I watched it with Elizabeth. I'm like, this is great. I can't wait. I mean, I had forgotten how much I enjoyed the film. And, you know, Jake Sully, I'd really forgotten how he narrates the movie, too. He has right. his yeah. voiceover. And um, I loved it. You know, I'm, and Elizabeth's like, when are we seeing the, when are we? I go, baby, it's seven o'clock. Thursday night, we got tickets to IMAX 3D. She's like, I can't wait. That's I can't, this is exciting, and you forget how the the just the the craft of this film. I love it. Is it Spellman? Spellman, the character that that uh, he's one of the scientists who's the Avatar driver. I love when they're flying through the the floating mountains. You know, and you forget. You just look at him and go, he's just looking up at these floating mountains, and you know, it looks like the cover of a '70s prog rock album like yes songs or something and and it, it's just oh, this movie's awesome like what <laughs> so i'm watching this going hell yeah bring it on i mean if it, like people are saying you look at clips now of all the underwater stuff and you realize it's hard to imagine there i mean they did use underwater motion capture yeah there's no fish there all the fish are fake fish you know there was a guy uh, i forget his name a youtuber i watched a video <laughs> that he talked about how great avatar is and he shows a clip he goes there's a flying sh- I mean, a, a a sea creature that comes out of the water and it has wings and there's a Navi with an assault rifle on the top of this thing and it starts flying and he goes into battle and the guy points out, he goes, what's not awesome about that? <laughs> like, what what is it that you want from your movies? And I'm like, he's right. I can't wait. Bring it on. I'm expecting three hours of uh, incredible entertainment. Damn. <laughs> oh, no, it's Pocahontas part two. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, hopefully it doesn't emulate that one. Guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? I mean, our sympathies to James Cameron. It's unfortunate that he worked that long, couldn't be at his own premiere. That sucks. But you know what? He'll be just fine when he falls asleep on his bed of money. So he'll be just okay. But guys, we are in the final stretch until Avatar opens. What are your expectations? Where's your excitement level? Maybe you're not excited for it at all. Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that all down, before we move on to our next thing here today, we want to take just a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of The John Campia Show. Our friends made me dinner the other night at HelloFresh. We want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. It is the most festive time of the year, and HelloFresh is here to help make the most of every moment. From holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. Because tis the season for saving money wherever we can. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery store shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. You can use those savings for holiday gifts or treat yourself. Guys, you know, I've told you before that with Ann and I both being working professionals, finding time to prepare dinner together can be a chore, but HelloFresh has made it easy and fun for us to make our own meals. And most importantly to me, they're delicious. You will actually enjoy making 
cooking dinner. So right now, go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia18 and use the code Campia18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia18 and use the code Campia18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. And thank you to our friends at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get into our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and you'd love to hear your voice on the show, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime at 951-268-4259. And maybe, possibly, you might hear your voice on our show. So let's get to it right now. What's our Mint Mobile question today? Hey, John, how you doing? It's December 12th. It's about 5.50, and I'm waiting on Weekly Hero. And I'm sitting here looking on my phone, and I see that someone's saying Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is going to drop their first trailer tomorrow, I guess December 13th. If it does drop, just let me know what you think. You just caught him ahead of time. Thanks, and I love the show. Well, you called ahead of time at the right time. <laughs> because this morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, Maybe my most anticipated trailer of the year, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse dropped their first official trailer. Now, a little bit of context here. I believe it was 2018 was the year of Black Panther, was the year of Infinity War, and neither of those were the best comic book movie of the year. The best comic book movie of the year of that year was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. A movie that I'd spent a year mocking and saying i didn't think it was gonna be any good i was like yeah and then i even saw the first little teaser i'm like i don't like the animation style i think this is gonna be dumb nobody cares about this bah, 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 bah. that was me that was me i don't mind telling you that was me and then i saw that movie and i remember i i, I still remember the exact door because you know on the front of the AMC Burbank 16, there's like eight front doors, right? All black. I still remember the one I walked out of, the second from the right, right beside where the bar is now. I remember coming out of that theater after I watched that movie, and I stepped out that door, and I was almost bewildered by just how good that movie was, just how floored I was by that movie. And while I, I, we, you and I have both seen a lot of movies, all of us in this room have probably seen a lot of movies that we thought, man, Schnepp would have loved this movie. I, I think it was Spider-Verse was the one that I was the first one that I came out and I wrote, oh my God, like this, at any rate. I, I think that was the one, but I still remember the door that I walked out. I still remember that door. I stumbled out of that theater, came around that corner, walked out that door, just being in amazement of what I just saw. Now, back at CinemaCon, back in April, they showed us like the first 15 minute, Ray, do you remember exactly how long that preview was? Like, it, I think it was, They said like the first real. 20. I think like the, not the first 20, but they, they said they had like 20 minutes but it was all jumbled up. Yeah, so it was unfinished, like, right? Yeah. So they showed us like the first 15, 20 minutes, like Ray's saying, but some of it was finished animation. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the scene, it would switch from finished animation to like detailed pencil sketch of the animation, but the dialogue still like the scene still going. And then it would go to animatic and then it would go back to full animation, whatever. So they're like, look, the movie's not done. So we're going to, but we want to show you like the opening 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. And... We were. It didn't matter yeah, that the animation matter. wasn't finished. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. We were sitting there going, "Oh my god!" Like the, it was unbelievable. And I just remember thinking, I 
this is this is the movie I am so excited about. And today, the first trailer dropped, and none of the footage from that first 15, 20 minutes that they showed us was in it. Now, granted, the first half of the trailer is shots from the original movie with new narration from uh, Miles's mom over top of it. And then it gets into the new footage. And I can't, just when the mom says to him, never let somebody tell you that you don't belong there. I almost cried. I'm listening to his mom saying that. Like, don't ever let anybody tell you you don't belong there. But I cried when you told me that and you laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, loser. Yeah. I, I, for a first trailer, if this was the final trailer, I'd say, uh, you probably dropped the ball here. But for a first trailer that is kind of just announcing to the world, this movie's coming. And that one, when Gwen is like, we're supposed to be the good guys. And 99 goes, we are, while he's beating the crap out of Miles. I'm like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I'm positively giddy. I cannot wait for this. Rob, you had a chance to watch the trailer this morning. What do you think about the new trailer for Spider-Verse? Come on. I mean, it looks, Bruh. it looks, it looks incredible. I don't, uh, it looks so much fun. Um, I, I will say this. I was counting the different Spider-Men in the trailers thinking, how many hot toys do I have to buy? And then I'm like, oh man, I'm out. <laughs> a lot of hot toys. But it looks great. I, I, I really like how they're doing interesting things with the animation style. This, this, you know, the multiverse, whatever it's all going to be. And this is the first of two movies. So, I mean, John, uh, what's not to love? When do we get to see it? I think, what's it come out? June? I think they said it comes out this June. I can't so we're about wait. a little over six months I mean, away. 2023, man. I, I, there's so many exciting things coming out in 2023. This is clearly goes to the top of the list. I mean, it looks amazing. I, 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 I'm just, again, to me, that was like maybe the second best movie of the year in 2018. I still, I put, I said to me, Black Klansman was the best film that year, but that this movie right here, I think, or the, the first Spider-Verse movie I thought was the best. I what look, Lord Miller, do it again, man. It looks like it looks like now we also saw at that same CinemaCon, we saw the first 15, 20 minutes of Lightyear. And we were all floored. Yeah, because the first 15, 20 minutes of Lightyear is fantastic. Like I was even saying things like, man, if acts two and three are as good as one, we could be looking at a best picture nomination. Of course, then <laughs> we saw the whole movie. And after the first 20 minutes, it kind of goes downhill a bit. Yeah. Didn't work out. Maybe that happens here. Maybe the first 15, 20 minutes we saw were fantastic, unbelievable, mind-bending, all that kind of stuff. But maybe it drops off and goes to crap after that. We won't know until we see it. It might be good, might be bad. A lot of sequels have a hard time living up to really good originals. And maybe that'll be the case here. But on the surface right now, it looks like Lord Miller did it again. Guys, question is for you. What did you think about the trailer for Spider-Man? What is it? Across the Spider-Verse? Across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. I'm going to get the names mixed up because there's a third one coming too. What did you make of the trailer? Did you love it like we did? Maybe you didn't even like the first one. That's fair too if you didn't. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campy Show? Well, that's easy. You guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, 
And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. That down? Rob, what is our first main topic today? John, our first topic comes to us from Jarrah Madanen, all the way from Finland. Uh, love your show. So I read today from Variety that Westworld, along with Nevers, Minx, and others, were not only canceled, but are going to be removed from this service. Now, I can understand canceling these shows, but why remove them from HBO Max? While I don't love Westworld, I've enjoyed it, and I was hoping at some point it was the latest season, too. Variety article says that it's due to them now wanting to pay residual payments or not wanting to pay residual payments from these shows. I don't understand how the residual payments work. Could you explain this to me, and is this because of ad-supported tiers? All right, Yuri, thanks a lot for sending that in. And, yeah, now we a lot of people were surprised. I wasn't really all that surprised personally, but a lot of people were very surprised to find out that Westworld got canceled. Minx got canceled when they found out they got canceled just as they wrapped product shooting, at least, um, season two. They found out they got canceled. Not surprisingly, the Nevers got canceled. Uh, that was the um, Joss Whedon-backed one. A show I really liked. It was pretty good. Until the final episode and a half. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was really into that show. I loved the characters. I loved the premise and the setting and the time period. I loved it. And then it got into the last episode and a half when they revealed what the big twist is. And I'm like, this is stupid. And I just, I'm like, I'm not going to watch the season two anyway because the twist was so bad. But still, so that got canceled and others. Well, now comes word. Uh, this is the report here that you can you see up here now. The report has come in. The actual story there, Jonathan, oh, you want gotcha, to bring the story. Gotcha. The story has now come out that they have actually not just canceled these shows. They're pulling them off HBO Max. They're, they're not just not going to continue. They ain't going to continue being on HBO Max, which I get and I understand to a lot of people. It's like, well, wait, wait why? Lots of shows get canceled on Netflix and they stay on Netflix, at least for a period of time. Lots of shows get canceled here and there, but they stay on those streaming services well now this comes to us uh from the folks over at variety who wrote the following the two shows talking about the nevers and talking about westworld the two shows are among multiple series that are being cut down are being cut from the warner brothers discovery owned streaming offerings along with minx which had already been renewed for season two and love life which had not yet been picked up for season three both of which, unlike the Nevers and Westworld, were actually HBO Max originals. Sources close to the situation say it's possible that they uh, that the already finished batch of the Nevers episodes will air on another platform sometime. The removal of shows from HBO Max means WB Discovery is able to save money in residuals paid to cast and crews of productions on top of the money that they save by not continuing on with the shows at all. All right, so that comes us from Variety. Here's the thing. We all understand that it costs money to make shows and movies. Costs money. What we sometimes forget, me included, is that the money you got to pay out doesn't stop when the movies are made and when the TV shows are being finished. The money you have to pay continues through residuals and through individual light. Now, in the old TV model, you know, they're like the Friends cast, the cast of Friends, they never have to work a day in their lives. They're still making millions a year from the residuals and replays of Friends, wherever it plays on streaming or in traditional uh, terrestrial television stuff. 
tons and tons of money. Now, the streaming stuff is a little bit different, but in the deals with streaming, they just say, hey, as long as this thing's up, some of the deals are as long as this thing's up, you got to pay for every renewal period that it stays up on the stream. You got to pay. You got to pay the producers. You got to pay the production. You got to pay the cast. You got to pay anybody who's got back end points on it. As long as it's just sitting there and up there, you continue to have to pay. Now, I'm going to go back to my AMC days here. I'm trying to think of a, of a show that maybe we can't. Nightmares. We had a horror show called Nightmares, right? So we were doing a horror-related show for a while called Nightmares, and it was a good show. It was a good show, but it didn't get an audience. We weren't, the amount of time and money we were putting in and man hours and studio time and whatever and, and, the, and paying the, the people who were on it, we were just not getting the viewership numbers to continue it. So we had to make the decision to cancel it. Now, of course, once we canceled the show, we still kept the episodes that we had up on the YouTube channel. Sure. Of course we did. You know why? Because it wasn't costing us anything to keep it up on the channel. It wasn't costing us anything. If I found out, like if Schnepp had come to me, Schnepp was one of the guys on Nightmares. If Schnepp had come to me and said, you got to pay me $300 every month that you keep those videos up online, guess what I would have done? I would have deleted those videos off the YouTube channel. That's exactly what I would have done. And in this case, you know, it looks like, according to Variety here, that, you know, HBO is just looking at it and saying, look, we don't believe there's going to be uh, a motivation for people to sign up or stay signed up for HBO so they can watch Westworld anymore or Minx, whatever. But we do know, looking at the books and the deals that the previous ownership made, that if we do keep it on HBO Max, it's going to cost us X amount of dollars just to have it sitting there. We don't need to spend that money. Now, here's the other interesting thing. The article points out that, like, okay, so the second half of the season of Nevers, which is already shot, they very well could now license it out to another streaming platform. What happened when Lucifer got canceled? Netflix came in and said, we'll pick it up, right? Nevers can be picked up somewhere else. I mean, they can now take that library of Westworld and maybe a, uh, a Paramount Plus, maybe a Peacock. Uh, maybe another streaming service comes along and says, hey, we'll pick up that library. Or maybe Netflix says, you know, we'd love to add Westworld to the library and they'll pay for it and make money off it and all that kind of stuff. So I, I get it on the surface. It's like, well, wait a minute. The show's already done. You already paid for it. Why not just keep it on the, the platform? I get that. But what you and I don't know is the specifics of the individual deals with each individual show and how much it actually costs to keep it on the platform. And if that's the case, and they said, you know what, it's not worth our, it's not worth this much money to us to keep it on the platform. Let's let it go. I get it. Anyway, Rob, you've heard about the, you've directed, not only have you directed major motion pictures with like William Shatner, you've also directed, te you've also directed television series. <clears throat> yep. That's an HBO Cinemax series. Right. So you're, you are familiar with the world of residual. Now this was before the streaming platforms and everything, right. but. But when you hear about the story, did it make sense to you or was it still a little bit confounding? No, I mean, it, it, it makes it makes sense. I mean, it's funny. I had an, uh, a text from our friend Connie, Connie Sang, and she wrote back. She goes, you know, I was going to start watching season four on HBO. I guess I'm not. I'll buy the physical media. <laughs> you know, so there are other revenue streams for these shows. But like you said, um, um, the amount of money, I mean, just leaving something, they look at the cost benefit analysis. It's like okay, can we make more money by leaving it up or are we going to have more money leaving our coffers by leaving it up? It's an academic, it's, there's the number. And and I'm sure that it's scary to see that a handsomely produced show that was not cheap to make, 
I mean, they spent was it ten, fifteen million an episode on that show? No, I'm not. I'm not even sure how much. It's probably very expensive show. Just disappears. I mean, four seasons of it. You'd think that it would have value, but I guess it doesn't. And this is going to happen more and more, John, in the streaming world. I mean, they're not just going to put everything up. They can't afford to do it. And that's why the streamers, that's why you look and say, oh, well, Disney Plus lost $4 billion last year in streaming. So it's not just a, you can't just print money. You have to think about, like with everything else, you have to look at the economics. I mean, all of Hollywood, it ain't show friends, it's show business. And if the economics don't work, and you know who the first person to do that is? David Zaslav. Mm -hmm. He's the first guy that's going to take his axe and swing it. I mean, I would I, the people that are involved in making this show I would have thought you'd want to keep happy, but only as much as it's not going to affect your bottom line. Yeah, and like, and here's the thing too: like all, it's like magic. There's a balance in the universe. If by cutting, taking shows like Nevers, that not a lot of people were watching, if taking shows like Westworld, which we talked about in the Hollywood Reporter article, their viewership dropped plummeted. off a cliff. Their viewership plummeted. If taking those shows off means that they can use that money. To give us shows like The Last of Us and give us shows like House of the Dragon. And like if they could say, look, we only have so much money. So we can either make these kinds of shows or we can keep shows nobody's watching on our network. Eh, well, I, I choose Last of Us. I, it's true. I mean, they have to start thinking like well, that's what network television did. Yeah. If something didn't work. It's gone. Um, and it has nothing to do like Jer asked about an ad tier. It's not about the ad tier. It's about the fact that does it make sense to keep this show on our channel period? You can't, an ad tier is not, it might add a little bit more value, but not enough value. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see guys. Question is for you. What do you think about the move? Not only they canceled Westworld, which you talked about several weeks ago, but now they're just removing it altogether from the platform because they don't want to keep paying the residuals on it. How do you guys think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we are going to take a second here and thank another sponsor of our show. I love these guys. I watch it all the time. Our friends over at Masterclass. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the very top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. And Masterclass is completely accessible on your phone, the web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. They have over 2,500 video lessons from over 180 of today's most brilliant minds. They're all available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Now, obviously around here on the John Campus Show, we love our movies. So why not learn filmmaking from Jodie Foster or maybe directing from Ron Howard himself or the great Neil Gaiman doing his masterclass on the art of storytelling. And you guys have heard me talk about my favorite masterclass, Business Strategy and Leadership by Big Papa Iger himself, Bob Iger, the new and returning CEO of Disney. Guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual masterclass membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash campia today. That's masterclass.com slash campia. Terms apply. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show. Guys, it, it is seriously awesome. You guys have heard about it long before the John Campy Show. You want to learn about filmmaking, singing, cooking. I mean, the, the, the topics are endless on there, 
all by the world's foremost authorities. Go and check them out. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down to the description of this video, right near the top, you'll find links and promo codes to all of our sponsors. And thank you again to Masterclass. Hey, by the way, before we get into main topic number two, Taylor's just pointing us out something. The Robert Meyer Burnett produced an edited feature film, Tango Shalom. We, he just found this out. He just found this out. Taylor told me. Is now on Peacock. So if you are a Peacock, um, if, see if you can get a shot of that, uh, Jonathan, if right. you can, about this thing. But if you are a Peacock subscriber and you want to check out something that Rob spent Years, years, years working on this movie. Uh, again, it's called Tango Shalom. Uh, go and check it out. Rob, what is your pitch line for it again? What, what's it called? Well, how did you describe the film? Uh, the, the movie is, is, is about a, a Hasidic rabbi who believes he's heard the word of God and God has told him he must learn to tango to solve some problems. But you call it a... Oh, I call it, oh, I call it an, an indie spiritual Jewish family dance comedy fable. Now you got like people from my big fat Greek wedding in yeah. it. You've got, I mean, it, it looks. It's guys, it's, go and check this out. It's pretty delightful, and I have to say, though, talk peacock, about residuals, um, John. That the, the peacock, yeah, that's that's, that's the peacock awesome. page right there. Yeah. The real question that I I have now becoming it's our last topic. My residuals. So now that it's moved to Peacock, the question I have to ask is... Where's that our, money? Yeah, where's the distribute? Where's that fat? I mean, no, I'm not going to get a fat. Uh, they just but- took it off Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone now, now. Now, here's my question, because you never actually... I asked you this once, you never told me. Where's Kanye West's cameo in this movie? Uh, you know... About uh, the Jewish dance. I, I'm I think that there's a Sikh wedding. Maybe he's in the audience maybe, of that wedding. Maybe he's there. By the All way, right. I also did the voice of Moses. That's right. Oh, in the movie. movie. You did. Which is weird. All right, guys, listen, uh, make sure if you have Peacock, go and check out the project that Rob spent a lot of blood, sweat and tears working for years on this movie. Go and check out Tango Shalom. All right. Joining the Billion Dollar Club, says uh, Outer Maker in the live chat. Make it join the Billion Dollar I Club. I wish. All right. You can all have money. With that down, guys, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Rob, what is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes to us from James Lockman, who says, hey, John and crew. One of the films that I'm looking forward to is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, starring Cillian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer, who was one of the main figures behind the Manhattan Project. In an article in Total Film Magazine, Nolan revealed that he recreated the first nuclear weapon detonation without CGI effects to use in his film. I called that, by the way. Between (laughs) that and Tom Cruise wanting to shoot the first movie in outer space, do you think Hollywood is going way overboard and ignoring the high risks involved? Your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for that, James. Now, look, if you're a film fan, one of the big films on our radars is Oppenheimer. I mean, just the true story itself is incredible. It's the next Christopher Nolan undertaking. It, it, the cast is remarkable, top to bottom. Like, it's a who's who right now going in Hollywood, top to bottom. It's an incredible cast. The guy who created the atomic bomb. And Rob's not kidding. Uh, a while back, we were talking about it. Rob said something along the lines. I wish we had the clip to play, but Rob said something along the lines of, you know what, I bet practical Chris, Christopher Nolan, if you look at uh, Interstellar, he loves his practical effects. I could see him setting off an actual nuclear weapon to, to film this. Well, he's not that far off because wow. according to his story here, it looks like... <clears throat> But he didn't actually set off 
a nuclear weapon. This is how it actually comes to us from the folks at Variety wrote the following. This is Christopher Nolan speaking when he says, I think recreating the Trinity test, the first nuclear weapon detonation in New Mexico, without the use of computer graphics was a huge challenge to take on, Nolan said. Andrew Jackson, my visual effects supervisor, I got him on board early on, was looking at how we could do a lot of the visual elements of the film practically from representing quantum dynamics and quantum physics to the Trinity itself, to recreating with my team, Los Alamos up on Mesa in New Mexico in extraordinary weather, a lot of which was needed for the film. In terms of the very harsh conditions out there, there were huge practical challenges and that comes to us from Variety. Now, I wanna be very, very clear here. <laughs> what the story actually says was that they recreated it yeah. practically rather than with CGI. It does not say that the U.S. government gave Christopher Nolan a nuclear weapon with permission to detonate it on U.S. soil. That is not what it says, because I've seen a lot of the headlines and a lot of tweets say, they, Christopher Nolan set off a nuclear bomb. To... Now, listen, there is a chance that maybe that is what happened. It doesn't specifically say in the story, now, just to be clear, I didn't set off a real nuke. But the wording is we recreated it using practical means instead of CGI means, which means they found a way to make a big ass explosion and use their practical effects knowledge to make it look like it was probably much bigger than it is using certain wind elements and all that kind of stuff. So while it is certainly a sexy story to say that Chris Nolan was actually given a nuclear weapon, I don't know, maybe Doc Brown came from the future and gave him plutonium. Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> but um, it's still pretty subtle because you, I would think oh, just get into the visual effects bay and create in CGI nuclear explosion. It'll look great, but he wanted to make it look as real as possible. Dude. Rob, you heard the story. What did you think about it? I am willing to bet there was a phone call made just to ask. Like, I know it's like only a one megaton device. Like, you know, it's old. You had it for Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Megaton, Isn't kiloton, there maybe. a way that you've got battlefield tactical nuclear weapons? We could actually go back to the scene of the crime. And I am sure somebody either entertained making that phone call or just made it. I know we can't really do it, but I want to believe that Chris, The like I said, if James Cameron goes down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench to, 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 to you know, with equipment he's built. I am sure that Christopher Nolan either entertained the idea, floated the idea, asked his producer, well, can we? <laughs> like, why not? Because you know what? You, we've seen throughout our lives, John, that same footage of the, the test detonation. Yeah. Where you see, yeah. wouldn't it have been cool to like get like 25 IMAX cameras and actually set off a nuke? Well, didn't they do that it? for uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yeah, I think you're with, right. With uh, Indy yeah, in the refrigerator? I, yeah, I think you're right. That wasn't practical? Uh, they didn't yeah, do that really? Yeah, they must have really done that. You know, Stuntman, though. Stuntman was in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, not there. So yeah. it wasn't all that real. I, I mean, look, here's the thing. I I applaud that dedication that Christopher Nolan, because it is still really interesting. When you go back and look at the behind-the-scenes stuff of Interstellar, all the stuff, I mean, obviously a lot of that had to be done CGI. But when you like you'll be shocked if you haven't seen the behind the scenes stuff, how much they just did with practical effects. Yeah. <clears throat> the dedication that Christopher Nolan and a guy like Tom Cruise has to doing practical stuff when possible is impressive. But I get the questions like, wait a minute, we 
we can't be okay as a society letting a filmmaker set off a nuclear bomb, right? Like we can't just just for the sake of making his movie to make yeah, money. Too many nukes in the world as it is. <laughs> so many nukes. One in the less. World. <laughs> I don't know, but listen. By the way, this movie apparently the first film in history to be shot with specifically made IMAX cameras designed just to shoot in black and white. It's the first time ever they're shooting an IMAX thing in black and white. I thought I'm, you were going to say designed to sustain a nuclear blast. To sustain a right. full <laughs> nuclear blast. If they're protected by a refrigerator, you're all good. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? I am dying to see how this looks on camera. I oh, mean, yeah. th this is going to look pretty crazy. How are you feeling about this? Are you looking forward to Oppenheimer? Maybe it's not on your radar. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's move on to main topic number three shall we rob what is our third main topic today john our third main topic comes to us from carter dunn hey john i just saw that timothy chalamet got on instagram and posted that they were now finished shooting the second dune movie this is really exciting since i completely love the first movie and i thought it was the best film of last year i have two questions though why on earth didn't they shoot the second film back to back with the first one? And second, since the movie is now done, do you think they could move up the release date from November 2023, which is like 11 months away still? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Carter. And yeah, it's done. Uh, the, the movie that won the most Academy Awards at the last Academy Awards, Dune. It didn't, it didn't take top prize of best picture, but it won more Academy Awards at the last uh, Oscars than any other film. It's every time I watch that movie, I am taken with it more and more. Me too. I still never forget my wife, Anne, Ray's sister, had never heard. I mean, she's heard of Dune, but she's never read Dune, never seen the original mini, the original movie or the, the miniseries that was on sci-fi or anything. She knew nothing about Dune. And we went to go see it. And I remember we sat down and watched it. We didn't talk during the movie. And when the movie finished, the lights came up in theater and I turned around. I'm like, what did you think? I had no idea if she liked it or not. She goes, this might now be my new favorite movie. I mean, I'm like, wow. Like, and she loves this. We got big Dune posters now hanging in our, in our house and all that kind of stuff. She loved this movie. The visuals of it, the sound design, the performances. I don't know how you make, because... Other people have tried taking the tales of Arrakis and putting it up on a screen. And it ain't easy. And Rob, I remember saying at the time when the movie first came out, I don't know how you do a better manifestation of that original story than what we just saw. Like, I, I don't know how you do that story any better on screen because that's a difficult task to bring to bear. And I was floored by it. I still, every time I watch it, I'm absolutely floored by it. I cannot wait for the second one. Now, you bring up two different questions. One, about could they, now that it's done shooting, could they actually release it a little bit sooner? And two, why didn't they shoot it back to back? Now, before we get to that, it is now official. They have wrapped it up. Timothy Chalamet jumped on social media to talk about this. comes to us from our folks at Deadline who wrote, Production for Dune Part 2 has wrapped. According to Timothy Chalamet, the actor who plays Paul Atreides in the size five film shared a photo on Instagram from a desert location along with his father, Mark Chalamet. Uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune sequel began production in July of this year and was filmed in several locations like Budapest, Abu Dhabi, Jordan, and Italy. And that's from Deadline. And Jonathan, let's see if we can bring up that tweet. It's in the story there halfway down the page, but uh, or the Instagram post that uh, that Timothy Chalamet put up. So it's a really good one. It's, it's a picture of him with his dad. In the Do we have that page ready to go? Yeah. 
Anyway, here, there it is. <laughs> so there it is with him and his dad out there in the desert. Well, I think it's great that his dad's out there with oh, him. Oh, yeah. I think that's awesome. And he basically said, that's a wrap. It's done. All right. First things first. Could they move up the release date now that it's done shooting this thing? Okay. The first, first thing you got to remember is they're not surprised that this is when the movie wrapped shooting. They knew a year ago that December 12th was the day they would be wrapped shooting, right? And then that's when it's not like they're, oh, we didn't think we'd be done shooting until April. Let's move up the release date. No, they set the release date and they set their shooting schedule knowing exactly when things were going to be. Also, on top of that, don't forget this. When a film wraps production, for some movies, that's the end. But for a lot of movies, that's just the beginning of post-production. And some movies are much, much bigger tasks when it comes to post-production than others. You want to do a Will Ferrell comedy? Probably not a ton of post-production, but some. You want to do Dune Part 2? There's probably a hell of a lot of post-production. Now, you can also say that probably a lot of post-production is happening while production's going on. That's true. That's absolutely true. Actually, sometimes some post-production elements are being done before they even start rolling cameras. Yeah. But there's a lot of work still to be done on this movie, and they planned that November release date very, very intentionally. So no, we're not going to see the release date move up. I mean, we might find out they move it a week or two for positioning, but it's not going to get a legitimate or substantial move forward. So expect it to come out in November still. Rob, though, on the other question they ask about, why on earth did they not shoot this back to back? This is a conversation we've had several times. Again, this was a decision made under the old Warner Brothers when it was run by Jason Kalar that they weren't going to do it. Now, look, Rob, we've said before, we understand it is a massive gamble to shoot movies back to back because you can say all you want. Oh, everybody knows the first one's going to be a hit. How many times have we heard that said and then a movie flopped? We, we've heard it a lot, right? Just look at Black Adam. You you could not have convinced me six months ago that Black Adam wouldn't at least make $600 million at the box office. Now it's not even going to crack four, 400, maybe get to 400. So you can think that. But with something like Dune, that is literally a story that you have to break into two pieces because of the length and the amount of money you're investing into it, I am still flabbergasted why they were not shooting these two movies concurrently and why we were not getting Dune Part 1 in one year and Dune Part 2 in a second year. I, I'm still flabbergasted by it. So as things stand, we got to wait to the end of 2023 to get this thing. So, I, But again, that had nothing to do with the current leadership of Warner Brothers. I still think it was a big mistake. Rob, we both understand it's a big gamble when you do it. But as you look back on it now, we both understand why they didn't, but now here we are. Do you think they should have shot this thing back to back? 100%. I, I do only because the locations are pretty much the same. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there's, there are more locations. Like I'm sure we're going to go to to uh, see the Padishah Emperor. We're going to meet other characters. Christopher Walken plays the Emperor. So there's other. But all the stuff in the desert, you're on location. You know, and that's that's very expensive when you take your film crew out on location to harsh environments like that. And you would have thought that, I mean, it, it it's not that big because you, you're not dealing with huge groups of people except at the end you've got, but that's all, that's all CG. You know what's more expensive than shooting in the desert for two months? Shooting in the desert for one month, leaving, and then having to uh, set everything back up again to shoot for another that month. That is exactly right. And I, I don't, but I get that it's still a risk. Yeah. I mean, 
And and what I had heard is they were going to do, because the story of Paul Atreides, even though he goes on, it really is, I thought they were going to do three movies. I'd heard they were going to do Dune, Dune Prophet, which would be part two, and then Dune Messiah, which is the second book, right. which is a small book. Uh, and that would be the whole story, the rise and f- big fall of Paul Atreides. And that would have been what they wanted to do. I still think they might do that. Um, but, you know, I have to say, John, that I've been obsessed with this movie lately. Uh, my friend Emma Bannon, the lovely Emma Bannon, sent me a, a box set from England of this. I've been watching this. This film, Dune, is probably, of all the science fiction movies ever made, has its peak verisimilitude. There is not a frame of this movie that doesn't look real. I swear to God, they went to Arrakis and shot this movie. There's not one moment of this film that does not, you cannot tell that there's visual effects. Mm. And I've gone back and forth anywhere you look, the sand, from the sandworms to the ornithopters blades. It's incredible. How, how cool of a design was that, by the way? Incredible. I mean, the whole thing is incredible. And you know what? Since I've set up the movie room, the sound design in this film and the score. Amazing. It's unbelievable. Like, I sit there and crank it up. Elizabeth's like, what are you listening to? I'm like, you... And then she sat down and watched it. There's something mesmerizing about this movie. When I first saw it, I'm like, it was good. But the more I watch it, I can't stop watching this movie. I can't wait to see Dune Part 2. I can't wait to see what he does. I can't wait to hear Hans Zimmer's score. I mean, this film is incredible. And I love the fact that Cooler Heads prevailed. And Because this movie wasn't a huge hit. No. It didn't make a billion dollars. It made good money, but I think part of the reason is because it got the Oscars and because people love it and because it's the evil news, they're willing to take the gamble. And they're concurrently making the HBO Max series, yeah, the Sisterhood, Sisterhood, which is happening now. And that, that shows the origins of the Benny Gesserit. And that's not even books that Frank Herbert wrote. His son, Brian, and Kevin J. Anderson wrote. So that's being shot in Budapest now. So that's pretty cool that there's they're they're all in on the Dune franchise. Somebody else had written in and asked, do, do I think if Warner Brothers was under the current leadership, the current ownership, if they would have shot it back to back? I guarantee you they would have. Not because they had great visionary foresight, but because David Zaslav is very penny conscious. And he understands, wait a minute, we could we could save like a hundred million dollars if we just shoot it back to back instead of trying to shoot them two separately. Because he's all about saving that money. I think I got a question for you though. Children of Dune, which was on, uh, which was the second sci-fi right. miniseries that they did. What one was that based on? That's based on the book. So there's there's because they dealt. So there's Dune, uh, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and Chapter House Dune. Right. Those are the six books. So Children of Dune is the third book, and they dealt with some of Dune Messiah. In the they, but it, right. they kind of breezed over it. But I could see them doing. Where does this sit timeline wise with Dune Prophet? Does that, it well, there's no the, Dune Dune Prophet. They were going to split Dune instead of being part, called Part One and Part Two. They were going to do Part they, Two is Dune Prophet. Yeah, and then Messiah was the one with the rise and fall of Paul Trace. Where does where does Children of Dune fit Ch- into that? Children is after that. Is after that. Okay. That. So I don't know if they're going to do the six. So what's interesting is there's only six original Frank Herbert dune books but then there's like 20 more written by his son and kevin anderson whether they're canonical or not up to people to decide all right guys question is for you what do you think about this according to timothy chalamet production on dune 2 is now wrapped they're now in post-production getting ready for a number november release are you excited about this to me it's the tangibilization i cannot wait to see this maybe you loved the first dune maybe you didn't like the first dune all that much maybe you're not all that excited for the second one Whatever you guys think and however you're feeling about it, jump down into the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. 
All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a second here and thank another sponsor of our show today. I'm wearing them right now. Smooth and delightful. Our friends at MeUndies. The holidays are officially upon us and it's time to start celebrating. Do your thing and holiday your way with Me Undies because it's the most wonderful time of the year to try Me Undies because they're currently offering a very merry deal. Get 20% off your first purchase with free standard shipping and free returns when you go to meundies.com/campia. Guys, you know I've been wearing Me Undies for a while now because I used to be like everybody else. I would go to the big store, buy the biggest box of the most generic underwear and I thought that was good enough. But ever since I started Me Undies and started wearing the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn in my life. I swear on this Christmas season, I will never go back. So get your holiday shopping finished early and start making time for yourself with the new MeUndies Holiday Collection. Their undies, long underwear, and sleepwear are made out of the softest, most supple fabric you've ever felt and are guaranteed to bring you comfort and joy to all of your loved ones. Shop their classic plaid prints for a traditional, picture-perfect style or get festive with their adventurous limited-edition sweater prints. Available in sizes extra small, all the way through 4XL, MeUndies has what you need to make all of your favorite people smile this holiday season all in one convenient place. So to get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com Campia. And thank you to our friends at MeUndies for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into our fourth main topic today, shall we? Rob, what is our fourth main topic today? John, our fourth main topic comes to us from Jarvis. Uh, did Black Adam make or lose money? I've been seeing people debate it since a bunch of reports said it lost almost $100 million, and Dwayne Johnson said it made almost $100 million. Puck is now saying that Johnson put out false financial information about Black Adam to make it look like the movie did better than it did. What do you think of this, and where does the truth lie? All right, Jarvis, thanks a lot for sending this in. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Black Adam, a movie I enjoyed. I, I mean, ha had issues with it, have some problems with it. I had fun with this movie. I, I smiled a lot, laughed a lot, found it kind of exciting. Uh, and yes, had a lot of issues with it too. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is I had a good time watching this movie. But it's been in the news a lot and being talked about in circles a lot for all the wrong reasons. You know, about how much movie did it lose? And then all of a sudden, like, The Rock comes out and says, this movie's already made a $72 million profit. It's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I, like I am not Oppenheimer. I'm not a physicist or one of the world's most advanced mathematicians, but I know two and two don't equal seven. And but whatever. So it was kind of confusing when he said he put out all these numbers. He put out the they put out, deadline even followed up on that and put out all these numbers like, oh, OK, but that and Variety re refuted it, whatever. So Puck with Matt Maloney, I mean, this has become a very. It's becoming a really reputable source for yes. a lot of people. Puck is becoming like a real inside newsletter that a lot of the Hollywood people are following now. Uh, they put a lot of reliable stuff. But anyway, this comes to us from Puck talking about this situation, about what's going on here. Executives at Warner Brothers reportedly claim that Dwayne Johnson leaked inaccurate information about the profits of Black Adam. According to Puck's Matt Baloney, several Warner executives believe that Team Dwayne Johnson leaked information to Deadline about the profitability of Black Adam as a way to counter previous reports that the DC film would lose the studio between 50 and 100 million dollars. Baloney uh, wrote that the supposedly leaked report was quote unquote 
filled with false assumptions and stated that in the long term, nearly all movies of size will ultimately pencil out after every window is exhausted over years and years. So what Matt is saying from Puck here, they're saying that, look, long, 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 long term, when Black Adam gets picked up by CBS for X amount of dollars and then another network plays it and then it goes to this streaming thing and then it jumps to another streaming thing and it plays as a special of the week. And that, look, 10, 15 years down the road, yeah, maybe at the end of the day, this thing will accumulate enough licensing fees and all that kind of stuff is there. But according to this report, a bunch of numbers based on quote-unquote false assumptions, that's a polite way of saying lying. But based on false assumptions to counter the impression going around out there that Black Adam was a money loser. Look, not every movie is going to be a hit. It's just not. That's okay. That's the nature of the business. And it's there's no shame in putting together the best movie you can. If you're a production company, in putting the best movie together you can. Maybe you made a good one. Maybe you didn't make a great one. Whatever. But you gave it your best effort. You, you got behind it. You made the best movie you could. You put it out. Sometimes you going to hit wins. Sometimes you're going to hit losses. It's okay. There's no shame in that. But it does, it does feel like, I remember when that article came out in Deadline, when Dwayne, who is my second favorite movie star in the world, I love Dwayne Johnson. Um, but when Dwayne came out and made that, that social media post about why is a movie star coming out and talking, trying to talk about the financials of the movie they're making? Just stay out of it. Dwayne, you don't need to dirty yourself with this. Like you are Dwayne Johnson. None of this is going to hurt you no matter what. But it, it, it really did feel like a, oh boy, here's, here's internal turmoil. Here's a he said, he said, she said thing going on. And it's just really, I don't know. It's not a good look for anybody, for anybody. I'm not saying Dwayne Johnson. I'm not saying black. I'm saying it's not a good look for anybody. Like, because it keeps all of us talking about the disappointing results of black Adam. Right. And, and there's no need. Let's, let's just look back on black Adam and say, you know what? Had his problems. Didn't make as much money as everybody thought it was going to make, but it was a fun movie. We had a good time. Let's see if another one gets made. Instead of talking about that, they everybody on both sides keeps bringing up the financials. Did it did it make five cents or did it lose five cents? Whatever. It was a disappointment. And now that's what we're talking about. Instead of talking about the positives of the film, I don't know. Rob, you read this report coming out of Puck and, and Deadline as well. What's your takeaway from it? Well, I think, look, this is damaging to brand Dwayne Johnson in the sense that, you know, you're only as good as your last project. And the fact is he probably had a large stake in this movie. Sure. He got absolutely. paid a lot. So there's uh, under no metric system, wherever you're going to look at this, this movie was not profitable. I mean, as we talk about on the show, uh, box office, you only get 50. The studios are lucky if they get 50% of that. Meaning, so if it made $400 million, the studios are only going to cover the cost of making the movie. They haven't covered their marketing costs. They haven't covered their studio overhead. This movie has lost a great deal of money, regardless of how you want to spin it. But, you know, I get it because Dwayne Johnson doesn't want, he doesn't want people to saying that about him because that means his quote for his next movie. It's like, yo, we might have paid you $25 million. Ah, we're not going to pay you that this, one, this time. We're going to pay you $15 million. So for him and his team... It costs money when something isn't a big, resounding success. So I can understand where they're going. But like you said, it's a bad look for an actor to come out and start talking about studio business. Unless the actor himself is paying for the movie, he shouldn't be talking about this at all. And he opened himself up for this. 
This is something that they didn't, this debate, like you pointed out, this didn't have to be going on. We should be talking about the movie. I like the movie. It's good. It's out on streaming now. Watch it. It's on HBO Max. Check it out. If you like it, maybe they'll make another one if the streaming numbers are good. But this movie has not made a lot of money, so Dwayne Johnson, I don't think, should be weighing into that. Here's my fear. My fear is this. I would like to see a sequel. Me too. I mean, again, I had issues with the first movie, but at the end of the day, I would like to see a sequel. But my fear is, is like it's like a professional athlete. Once there's so much baggage attached to a professional athlete, even if they're still pretty good, a lot of teams will pass on this because like we don't want the circus that, that comes with it, right? My fear is, as somebody who wants to see a sequel to this movie, is that by prolonging this drama about did it lose money and all this kind of stuff and, and uh, like creative accounting, and all that kind of stuff. It feels like they're, they're, they're making the property itself undesirable. Yes. Like, it's like, you know what? Cause Warner brothers could look at it. I'm not saying that they are. I've had nobody call me to tell me this, this is just me as a fan speculating. Right. If you're Warner brothers seem like, look at all the fucking nightmare Warner brothers went through with the whole justice league thing. Right. It was never about the movie anymore. And now it was all about cult of personality. It was never about the movie anymore. Now it became about us versus them and all this kind of nonsense in the circle. And then the, the previous regime put up $70 million to create the HBO version of it. And it ended up losing them a bunch of money and all this. Like I, my fear is by keeping this discussion going that they're making the brand, the black Adam brand look undesirable. It's like, do we want to jump back into that pool again? Nah. And I don't want that to happen because I want to see them do another one of these. I want to see you. I don't know, Rob, do you think this, like when people are talking about Black Adam now, we're not thinking about the fun of the movie. We're thinking about all this stuff about the money, they lose money. And all. I, I don't know. Is it making it less desirable or do you think it's kind of insulated from that? No, I think it is. Let me ask you this. If you're David Zaslav, would you make another Black Adam movie right now? Oh, God. I mean, the <laughs> thing is, I think the answer is no. You know, you can't. You're looking at the numbers and going, wait a minute. You know, we're going to relaunch the DCEU and we're going to look at those numbers. I mean, everyone, it's funny because everyone is very combative about the idea of James Gunn and Peter Safran restarting the DCEU. But the thing is, if they were to restart the DCEU and they started out and thought, okay, James Gunn's thinking, I'm going to make whatever movie I'm going to make for what I made Guardians of the Galaxy 1 for. If we're going to start out, I mean, the fact is you're going to go back. We're not going to spend $225 million or $300 million or $400 million on a movie that's that's not going to be helpful to us. We have to make it profitable. So you make a hundred and fifty million dollar movie, and it makes seven hundred and fifty million dollars. That's a win. Yeah. That's an now epic under, win. Now you're off and running, and then you're off and running, and that's the direction he wants to go. Because even that, you've 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 if you make a hundred and fifty million dollar that movie that makes seven hundred and fifty million dollars, you paid for the film. It's it's made four times its budget plus another one hundred and fifty million. That's a good bet. That's why when you look at Henry Cavill's Superman movies, those numbers don't work, whether you're looking at... And that's why the idea would be that, okay, we're going to start from scratch. We pay people less. We scale back on what we're doing in terms of effects-wise or post-production, whatever you're spending your money on, and make these movies for a price. This movie, it simply didn't work financially. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? At the end of the day, as you look back at the Black Adam movie... <laughs> Did you enjoy it? I mean, I think we all acknowledge it had its issues. You had fun with it. Were you hoping to see a sequel? Will you not lose any sleep if we don't see another sequel? Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. 
All right, guys, with that down, let's move into our fifth and final main topic here today, shall we? Rob, what is main topic number five? John, main topic number five comes to us from Legally Eagly. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Fantastic Four is kicked into pre-production as the direct has reported that Peyton Reed has seen the initial concept art for the Fantastic Four lying around in studio. Oh, my God. It's actually happening. Marvel's first family, and might I say best, is actually becoming a reality. Furthermore, I find it interesting that perhaps Peyton didn't find it lying around, but it actually was for his own Ant-Man Quantumania, as it has been suggested that Fantastic Four have been in the quantum realm, so that could also be a hint. Anyways, John, how do you feel about this? And bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in legally. And, and uh, honestly, other than the X-Men coming... I don't know that there's been a more exciting development for Marvel and MCU and MCU fans and the fact that the Fantastic Four are coming. Yeah. Now, we've seen a lot of failed Fantastic Four projects, ah, but none of them have been under their, the stewardship of Kevin Feige. So a lot of people are really stoked about what is coming, as am I. Like, I, I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with this and all this kind of stuff. Now, where this is all coming from was Peyton Reed, the director of the Ant-Man films, was uh, doing some press for Ant-Man Quantumania. And you got to forgive me, I cannot remember the name of the outlet. It's Somosos or something like that. For, forgive me if I have guys, you can go look it up. Um, was doing an interview with somebody, and this is what he said during that little interview. Peyton Reed said the following. Matt Shackman, the guy who directed uh, uh, WandaVision, is now directing Fantastic Four. Matt Shackman is going to do great. And I've seen initial artwork for the Fantastic Four stuff around the Marvel offices. It's going to be great. I developed Fantastic Four 22 years ago for about a year, way pre-Marvel Studios. And at that time, Fox didn't want to make the movie as big as these movies are now. So I think I kind of channeled my passion for Fantastic Four into the Ant-Man movies because, you know, they're both stories about families of superheroes. To me... 20 years is a long time, and I wanted somebody else to do Fantastic Four. I think that last part he said there's pretty interesting, because for a long time, we all thought, uh, me, me included, say, hey, not an extra director, an extra role, but Peyton Reed would be a great choice with his yeah. sensibilities to do Fantastic Four, ends up being Matt Shackman. So I think it's pretty cool that he's addressing that a little bit here. Okay, let's get back to the main meat of this. He says, I've seen the pre-production art. I've seen all the, 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 the pre-pro. I've seen the concept art. I've seen it around the Marvel offices. Now, uh, Legally Eagly says, I doubt he just accidentally, this is probably for his own Ant-Man Quantumania. Well, no. And not to say that the Fantastic Four can't have cameos in Ant-Man Quantumania. Maybe they could. Not saying they can't. But he's not lying when he says, sometimes the art is just laying around there. Now, I have actually been where people are not allowed to be. I have been in those offices. I have been in Peyton Reed's office. I, I got to go into Peyton Reed's office, and in his office, he had like the, the sketching for Ant-Man and the Wasp. This was a considerable amount of time before we knew a lot about the movie. But he had me and a couple of other people right into his office, had the, and the artwork's all up in his walls. Right. All this kind of stuff. And you know what it was in um, in She-Hulk? If you guys remember, the, I think it was the season finale of She-Hulk. 
when she first goes up to that reception desk and you got to sign in and whatever, that's a real place. I've actually been through there, went into the, the holy of holies, if you will, into the real creative brain part there. And they literally do. These directors will have, because it's a secure area, they will have that stuff just out in their offices because that's how they're working. So I, I don't have any doubt that Peyton Reed probably wandered into a certain conference room or maybe into Matt Shackman. Remember, Peyton Reed has lived with Fantastic Four for a long time. So has wandered into Matt Shackman's office and maybe had some discussions, whatever, and saw the production. So I don't think there's anything hush, hush, top secret. Oh, he didn't just accidentally come across it. Yeah, he probably did. So I believe that. Again, going back to that word tangibilization, they, it's real. Like it's actually happening as we speak. They may not have officially announced who the cast is. They know who the cast is. The, the movie's been cast. Believe me, the movie's been cast. They just haven't announced who it all is yet. But even though we don't know who's going to be in it and all that kind of stuff, they are, as we speak right now, those offices in Burbank, California, they are making Fantastic Four right now. It's being made. It's in the pre-production stage. Yeah. But they're making it as we speak. And I am dying to see those art, those pieces of art. God, I would love to see those pieces of art that Peyton Reed is letting on about. But, so I think there's a couple of interesting things here. The fact that about why he's not doing it, I think that's really good reasoning. I'm very, 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 after watching WandaVision, which I think is the gold standard thing that Marvel's ever done on Disney Plus so far, Matt Shackman's going to do a terrific job with this movie. I'm very, very excited about it. Hearing that the art is already being done, the pre-pro, probably storyboard, that probably means storyboarding's already happened. So you probably already got the storyboards all set up. I mean, I, I, I'm not the world's biggest Fantastic Four fan, but I cannot believe how excited I am for this project at this point. Anyway, Rob, you heard all the stuff that Peyton Reed had to say. What's your takeaway from it? Well, I think you summed it up pretty well. I, I, these Marvel movies, they have visual development going on sometimes years before they hit the cameras, before they get on set and start shooting, because they're planning for this. And I think, like you said, they've been cast. They know who the Fantastic Four is because they have to plan these things far out and that's what marvel does they schedule these things it's like a domino effect you've got one after the other after the other i still think john and by the way we've been speculating about this on this show i have no by the way i have no reason to think this other than my own imagination no one said this i have not heard anything i do think that the Fantastic Four are going to get introduced in quantum mania you've mentioned that before i think you, yeah you because you, I, so in you terms of because what it does is it 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 gets them it gets the Fantastic Four into the Marvel universe. You don't have to do an origin story. We all know that story. You set up the fact that I think it would be immediately very interesting if the Fantastic Four have been in there since the '60s. That gives them an interesting quality, something interesting to play. The fact that they're kind of fish out of water the way Steve Rogers was, because they never dealt with. Whereas Reed Richards is going to have to deal with the advances in technology, and the biggest thing is. They know Kang. Obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer knows Kang, too. There's something I forgot to tell you, or whatever. I just think it would help the Marvel Universe if they're established. That said... But I like would you, say also just to that point real quick, Rob, because we keep saying like he's gonna be he's gonna be so far behind in technology when he comes out of the quantum realm. He might be more advanced in technology because of what he's seen in the quantum. That's a good yeah, point. Absolutely, that's a very good point. Absolutely, true. And you know that's where they get their fantastic car or whatever the <laughs> hell they're, they're gonna have. But like you said, John, this movie's been being made for a year in advance. And while 
I mean, I'm excited. I, I think also they need somebody to lead the MCU. We're waiting for a leader. We don't have a leader. Reed Richards is going to be the leader of the MCU moving forward. And, and he is going to be that guy. And that's why they don't want us to know. I think that's why they haven't introduced him yet. They're waiting. They don't have to introduce them. And to Quantumania, probably a post-credit scene, whatever. Of course, I'd be wrong. I mean, I I still have my reservations about them being in Ant-Man because it it would be a remarkable coup that they were able to keep that under wraps, that the actual cast of Fantastic Four on set for however long and how many scenes they did and how much of the movie they're in. And it, it's a bit of a stretch, but, but in theory and on paper, if they were in the quantum realm, we don't know that the Fantastic Four has been stuck in the quantum realm. Maybe they were. If they were to go that route, it would make sense and it would work out pretty well. Yeah, and also they need, you're moving into the, the, the you're going, Kang is going to be the next big, I mean, obviously the big bad. You're going into the Kang, the Avengers movie, Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars, all that deals with. I think Kang is going to be done before Secret Wars. Maybe. I think Kang wraps, wraps again, I'm not basing this on anything, but I think they're wrapping up Kang and there's something that Kang, I don't know whether an issue where there's going to be a bigger issue with the way they adapt Secret Wars. We'll see. Could be. There's just nobody in the Marvel Universe, though, that knows that Kang's a threat. I mean, he's dealt with Loki and now he's going to deal with Quantumania and all that, but he's been in the quantum realm. What other heavy hitter, like what can Falcon do to Kang? You know, what can Winter Soldier do to Kang? Wanda's taken off the board. Doctor Strange is in some other universe. What are they going to do? I mean, they need a heavy hitter. They need a team of people. Because where are the Avengers? Maybe the leader of Latveria. Well, that's maybe that's got to play in it. That's got to play into it too. I got one. Maybe they should bring in Boba Fett if they want everything badass peacefully and friendly. <laughs> Everyone wants to be friends. I still remember when the theme. We'd be watching Boba Fett at our house when the theme of bum, 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 the Boba Fett theme, Ray just started singing along with it. I am Boba Fett and we should be friends because Boba Fett was such a diplomatic guy. Friendship, friendship. Honestly, don't, don't, like going into Secret Wars, I mean, I think you're looking at Dr. Doom as being a big thing there. About who's going to be the leader of the, I, I think they might set up with with this whole new era of, of Fantastic Four and X Men. I think you may you might be looking at Professor Xavier as being the leader of the MCU. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. A lot of possibilities here, guys. Questions for you: What do you think about this? The work, the, the movie's being made as we speak. Work is being done on Fantastic Four. It's the pre production stage, granted, but they're working on that movie as we speak. This art exists; it's out there. Peyton Reed's talking about it. What are you guys thinking about it? Are you excited for a Fantastic Four? Maybe you're like Fantastic Four out after so many tries and attempts to make those movies and they were never any good. Maybe you're super excited and think they can be awesome under Marvel. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to move now into your comments and questions. If you guys have a thought, theory, opinion, or question you'd like Rob and I to address, Go ahead and use the Super Chat feature. We're opening up the Super Chats right now. Do it fairly quickly because we only leave the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes, so get those in now. Now, before we get to those, though, we want to take a second and thank my mobile service provider, Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you get another three months 
for free. Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal and I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. I have absolutely loved using Mint Mobile and like I've told you guys many times, I am now spending less than one third of what I used to spend under one of the other major mobile carriers. And now with the whole buy three months, get three months free deal, it's even better. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for making it possible for me to spend less than a third of what I was spending on my phone bill. Normally, guys, honestly, you really do. What are you doing? Go and check out mintmobile.com slash campia. Check out how much money you will save by switching to them. Anyway, and thank you to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. Let's get to it here. You guys have some thoughts and opinions you guys have been firing in. So, Rob, what are people asking? We'll see. Dumbrodor says one or two. Uh, Gun should keep and get Andy Muschietti for a rebooted Justice League. His Flash film was apparently great. And even though it, too, was weak, both it one and two showed his uh, exceptional. He's exceptional at handling large ensemble casts. I, 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 I get where you're coming from, Dumbrodor, but I think that is massively jumping the gun we have not like listen we've heard they've he made a really good movie right with flash but we haven't seen it i i think we'd be a little bit getting ahead of ourselves here to say he should do justice league you know what here's the thing and this is this is all of movie fandom whenever a director does something great suddenly they're the ones who should direct everything coming out i remember when lord of the rings came out and you know the the return of the king finished and everything every movie that ever got brought up on you know, whether it was the movie blog or for your consideration for a while, it was all, oh, you know who should direct that? Peter Jackson should direct that. Everything was Peter. When Christopher Nolan was the hottest name, oh, you know who should direct that? Christopher Nolan. And we're talking about a movie that hasn't even come out yet with The Flash. You know who should do Justice League? The guy who just did this. Look, Andy Muschietti is clearly a very gifted, talented director, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the right guy to do Justice League. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. There's a lot of other great directors who may do as well or even better than any of shit. We, we don't know. I just, I would just say, let's pump the brakes on picking out a director when we haven't even seen the movie in question yet. Let's wait till we actually see The Flash before we start saying he should be anointed the director of Justice League. That, that's just my thought on that. All right, what's next? Uh, Arse Gravy says, should Avatar <laughs> 2 be in the best animated category? No, it's, it's not an animated film. There's a lot of visual effect. We talked about this the other day. Look, it's not like The Lion King, which The Lion King literally was all CGI, other than the opening three-second shot of the sunrise, which was actually a practically shot thing. But other than that, the entire movie is that. There's a lot of live-action actors in this movie. Um, It's not all entirely green screen, blue screen, all that kind of stuff. It is not, by definition, an animated movie. So, But again, I haven't seen it, but we've already seen the trailers. There's tons of live-action actors, all kind of stuff. So... It does not fit the 
definition, Rob, of an animated film, unless no, you see it otherwise. I, no, I, I agree with you. And look, just look at the actors. Even if you look at like clips from the original Avatar, it's all actors in mocap suits. And it's a motion capture and turning them into things is, is a different process. They're still actors at the basis of I would still call them. that animation, though. Like sure. if, if what you're seeing is animated work, but we actually see real physical, practical things, including people and characters Absolutely. and stuff like that. Yeah. All right, what's next? It's a hybrid. Sam Fisher says, like you, John, I like Pinocchio. I didn't love it. Second half was better than the first. I actually kind of prefer the first half, to be honest with you. Like the the, first, the opening 15 minutes or so, the story of Geppetto and Carlo, his son, that was, to me, that was the best part of this movie. I, it was emotional. I felt it. It was beautifully done. Um, and I, I, I just agree with you. I just agree with you in the sense that it is a fine movie. It's a good movie. I I don't think it's one of Guillermo del Toro's best. I, I don't think it's the best animated film of the year. I can already think of a couple of animated films that I think were better than it this year. But it's a good movie. But I personally, it feels like it's getting a little bit overhyped myself just because it's dark. And it, it, it does some more mature themes that I appreciate they did. But just because they did these more mature, deeper themes doesn't necessarily mean they executed them perfectly or or necessarily even really well. Uh, again, I liked it in a thumbs up or thumbs down world. Pinocchio to me is a thumbs up movie. I just didn't think it was as great as some other mm. people did. All right, what's next? Uh, I just want to thank Max Finkel for joining at the actor membership level real quick. Ooh, thank you, Max. Appreciate that, man. Uh, James Argenta says, in my opinion, Wong is the leader of the MCU. I mean, listen, even Kevin Feige said it's kind of right now it's the Marvel Wong universe. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's kind of the guy. And listen, why not? He is the Sorcerer Supreme. Everybody loves Wong. I don't, I've never talked to somebody saying, you know what character I don't like in the MCU? Wong. I've never heard anybody say Everyone that. Everyone loves Wong. Everybody loves Wong. I get that. So sure. You know what? Until Professor Xavier or Reed Richards comes along, maybe he is the leader of the MCU. All right. What's next? Uh, Chef Rigo says, I saw Pinocchio on Sunday on the big screen, and I've never seen anyone cry so much at a stop motion picture like my friend did. Listen, laugh there, out loud. My friend, my, sure, my Chef friend. Yeah, I'm asking, uh, got any of those penis enlarging pills? I'm asking for a friend of mine. No, um, I wow. I totally get why. Like I said, I think the first like 15 minutes of that movie are the best part is the best part of the movie. It is a powerful, emotional, moving part. Like as soon as you realize what you knew was going to come, it's not unpredictable. But once you realize, you're, oh, no, 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 no. And you're watching it and it's powerful and emotional. And throughout the movie, like I said, this is a good movie. Throughout the movie, there are certain moments that are really well done like that. So, But again, for me, I just I just don't personally think the movie is as good as a lot of other people do. All right. What's next? Uh, uh, let's see. Mikragava says, Mikragava. greetings from Serbia. I'm sorry I massacred your name. Uh, thank you for the awesome shows. Have you seen Pretty Village, Pretty Flame? One of the best anti-war movies I've seen. Rob, I'm sure you would love it. I've actually seen that film. That's from quite a while ago. It's I'm about, not familiar with this one. I want to say it's like 15 years ago. And it I'm is, not even aware of this movie. Yeah, it's, it is about the, the Bosnian conflict. And I'm trying to think of... I, I actually own that movie. and But I only have it on DVD. I do not have it on Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, I, I want to say... And it could, I wonder if... Did it win... The Oscar, best Oscar. Could you look that up? Pretty Village. Uh, let's pretty see. Plain? 1996. And then just was look up under thinks? awards. Is it that long ago? Wow. 
Yeah, I, okay, I knew it was a while 26 ago. 26 years 26 ago. 26 years, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's a great film. But All right. Yeah, while while Peter or why Taylor's looking that up, what's next? Uh, Alan Ling says, hey, John and crew, late response, but just chiming in about Flash, June 2023. Man, June's going to be a busy movie month. My A-list membership will be tested. I like seeing movies more than once. What else did we say was coming out that month? Because we've got, is that the Indiana Jones month as well? Yes. I, I think it's Indiana Jones. Yes. It's, uh, what movie did he just mention there? Uh, Flash. Flash. Uh, Spider-Verse. I think Spider-Verse is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's a fourth one. I mean. Is the, it the, the Elemental or something? Oh, yes. Uh, the ele- Yeah, Elemental. Yes. So the big Pixar film that looks fantastic. Listen, we we have been evolving the post-pandemic era, right? But right. this has not been, 2022 was not a regular year. Like we literally went months spans without significant big releases coming out in theaters, right? Like months without them. 2023, when you sit down and look at the release schedule, is going to be the first kind of back to normal year as far as a release schedule yeah. goes. And that means we're going to get some months like June. Oh my God, where we're <laughs> going to be getting banger after banger, like one week after the next. Uh, I'm really excited. That month is going to be crazy good. I'm very, very excited for that month, man. By the way, I wanted to give a shout out. There's a movie that was made in 1985, a Serbian film. In America, it's called Hey Baba Reba. And it's a wonderful movie. In a way, it's kind of like a standby me. But if you haven't seen it, I know people are like, what is it? What's the, I'm looking for the Serbian title. I don't know what the Serbian title is. But it was directed by Jovan Esin. If you haven't seen it, check it out. By the way, would you find out if that uh, movie won any Oscars? Uh, it did not. It says it garnered six wins and one nomination, but it's uh, not for anything in the not US. Not for the Oscars. Yeah. Also, I don't okay. know if you, did you mention Transformers for June? That's also June. Oh, is that Beast Wars? Was yeah. that Rise true? Of the Beast? Yeah, is that June. June? It's crazy. It's going to be a crazy month. All right, what's next? Uh, Rafael Castillo says, hint from an answer in an interview that The Abyss is coming out in 4K as early as March. Oh, James Cameron flat out said it was. Oh, did he? Yeah. They're finally going to do that? They're finally putting out The Abyss. The question is, is it going to be the extended version with the tidal wave stuff and the aliens? Who knows? I I prefer the theatrical version. I remember I watched the extended version. I mean, it's really neat seeing this extra context added, but... I think it was good that it was not in the final version of the movie. You know yeah, I mean? well, how I just, do you feel about should, that? I think they should put out both. I mean, yeah. as long as the various versions. I mean, I liked I liked the extended version. I just hope that if they do that, maybe they could fix the effects. Fix a little, a little bit, little ropey. You know, That's how I feel about Aliens. I prefer the uh, theatrical, the theatrical to the director cut on Aliens. All right, what's next? Uh, Harry. Katsoros says, Doom Patrol is back, baby. Anyone not watching this, you don't know what you're missing. Easily better than every Marvel Disney show so far. It's not even close. WandaVision included. I wholeheartedly disagree. I completely disagree. Although, you know, I am a lover of Doom Patrol. It's good. It's great. Now, I have not had a chance, unfortunately, to start watching the new season. I haven't started watching the new season yet. But I have been banging the, the drum of Doom Patrol Ever since it came out a couple of years ago, I love this show. I cannot wait to get rolling on season four. But mm, I, I think WandaVision is better. But, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's really, really lively. It catches you by surprise. It's so unassuming. I just love the show very much. All right, what's next? Uh, Harv's case says, even with production wrapped on their new seasons, I'm worried for the fate of HBO Max shows Warrior and Our Flag Means Death. 
Well, I mean, look, it's it's like anything, any show ever. If you succeed, you thrive. If you don't succeed, you're in trouble. Um, so Warrior, I mean, they've already talked about, they've got plans for Warrior. So they, they're, they're fine with Warrior and all that kind of stuff. Uh, our flag means death. I have to admit, I don't love Our Flag Means Death, which is weird because it's totally my kind of show. It really is my kind of show, but it it just didn't click for me per se. But I mean, listen, the entertainment landscape is Darwinism at its finest. Yes, it's it's survival of the fittest, and and we'll see. I don't, if you watch either Warrior, I haven't watched Warrior. Oh people, my God, you would love I, Warrior. I everyone it's says so I would love Warrior. I haven't watched, but I've watched Our Flag Means Death, and I think it's funny, but I don't love it like as much as what we do in the shadows. All right. All right, what's next? a different kind of a show. Sam Fisher says, I just watched that animated movie, Klaus, or Claus. Is it Claus? Claus yeah, with Jason Claus. Schwartzman and J.K. Simmons. I loved it. Yeah, that's a couple of years old now. That was a really fun little movie. That was a, like one of these little movies that kind of came out of nowhere and caught you by surprise. Yeah. If you guys haven't checked it out, take his recommendation and, and give it a watch. I think you'll like that. All right, what's next? Uh, the, in, the Inedible Hulk says, Shudder. No, uh, M. Jada. Oh, was it just first? Sorry. Spielberg and Williams both want to do Bond, so why not? Look, I they can say they want to. Yeah. You can say that in an article or whatever all you want. And I'm sure, listen, if, if Steven Spielberg picked up the phone and called Barbara Broccoli and said, uh, yeah, I think I'd like to I'd like to do your next James Bond movie, I can't say them see them saying no. Right. I can't see that happening. If Steven Spielberg really wanted to do Bond. They would let Steven Spielberg do Bond. Nobody would be crazy enough to say no to that. Of course you would. That's that's a huge marketing push just right there. Right. The first time ever, Steven Spielberg, the greatest filmmaker of all time, is doing a James Bond film, kicking off the newest leg of the James Bond franchise with our new James Bond and everything like that. I so yeah, so you can say, Oh yeah, I'd love to do that's that's easy to say, but does he really want to do it? Yeah. I don't know. Actually, as the big Bond fan in the room, what would you feel about? I would Steve look. Spielberg? I would love to see a Spielberg directed Bond film, but you know he's seventy five years old, and I would rather see Steven Spielberg unless he really said I want to make Bond. You know, if that's if that was a passion project for him, I'd want to see it. But I'd like to also see what Steven Spielberg. How many movies do we get from him? How many more movies do we get? Two, three. I hope he makes movies that only he's incredibly passionate about, whatever they may be, Bond or not. All right, what's next? Uh, now we get to the inedible Hulk. Shudder at John's, uh, what is it? N- nuclear. Just just one, oh, it's just one you in nuclear. I guess yeah. you're getting dinged about your Who pronunciation. Who the fuck cares? Move on. Uh, Al <laughs> Renshaw says, I cried during Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse when Miles' dad was speaking to him on the other side of the door. Conversation with mom in the trailer made me tear up as well. I, to this day, I, an animated film, an animated superhero film has no business being as emotionally resonant as Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I agree. Like both the way it charmed you with laughter, like that scene, it was in one of the trailers, but that scene when he's dropping off, Miles says, gets on the guy. I love you, Miles. (laughs) Say, I love you. (laughs) It's like, I love you. Copy that. And just it's like that. But that conversation through the door was great. Is it just hits you? The, the, even then, the little visual cues, like when he's down in in the dead Peter Parker's basement, and he's looking at the Spider-Man costumes through the glass, and you see his reflection over overlayered on top of the Spider-Man costume behind it. Just 
What they did with that movie astounds me, and I cannot wait to see this next one. I agree. All right, what's next? Uh, Zach Marcello says, so pumped for Avatar 2 on Saturday. Yes. Also, pretty excited about the trailer news that dropped today. New trailers for Oppenheimer and Dead Reckoning. That oh, means when? Mission Impossible 2. When is and, that coming out? Uh, probably for Friday, unless they're going to drop them earlier online. Dude, I can't wait to see a new Dead Reckoning trailer. Or in trailer. front of Avatar. Yeah, in front of, that's what I mean. But in normally, see, it's very, 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 unless you're a Christopher Nolan film, Oppenheimer. Well, that'll be, an, I swear that'll be an, only in IMAX. IMAX probably in front of Avatar. I yeah. can see that. But and they might only release Mission Impossible in IMAX as well. Think so? Maybe. Because nine, 99 times out of 100, weeks. they release the trailers online like days before they release in theaters. I mean, obviously, Christopher Nolan has done done it with just a theatrical release, so I can totally see that. Yeah. Dead Reckoning, really? That would be interesting. Just because that. it's just because it's IMAX. Did they ever release? I can't remember. Did they release the Dead Reckoning sizzle they showed us at CinemaCon to the public? I can't remember. Yes, they, they did. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, that's it's right. Online. They did. So it'll yes. be something new from that. All right. All right. I, I'm looking be kind forward of cool. to that. All right. What's next? That's another movie that comes out next year. Yeah. Well, I don't know what release date is, but I can't wait to see that. Dumb bro doors back with all those Hallmark holiday film posters. They should hire the Riverdale writers to write their movies <laughs> because they wouldn't at least definitely change things up. I mean, I don't know. Actually, did you see the for the first time ever, first time ever, uh, I think the newest Hallmark holiday special is about a gay couple. First time ever. But I bet the poster looks the same. Probably the poster will look 100% exactly the same. 100% exactly the same. They should do a Riverdale Christmas special. Why not? Do not give them any. No, they just need ideas. to do a Hallmark uh, multiverse movie. Hallmark oh, multiverse my God. Movie. They've got all, right. assemble all of them. What's next? Uh, Matt Boyle says, I want to give Jonathan a shout out. Man, your one liners on the show have me laughing out loud. Oh, well, I appreciate it, man. Jonathan does a great job around here. Uh, not, not only like producing the show, running the show like that, the great one-liners. He's our director of operations. He helped me, helps me keep this whole place running. Uh, Jonathan is extremely valuable to what we do around here, and I'm glad you're calling him out. Thank you for and that. And his day job is making the next Batman movie. <laughs> the day job. All right, what's next? Uh, James Wheeler says, I'm so excited. The Banshees of Inishirin is out on VOD. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, 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 again, it's not the movie I thought it was going into it, but it is, again, just such a power. The performances are great. Both Colin Farrell and uh, Brennan Gleeson are getting tons of awards buzz all over yeah. the place. Totally deserved. It's a fantastic movie. Not a lot of you guys have seen it. Check it out when you get a chance. It's absolutely wonderful. All right, what's next? Suthius says, got a chance to watch Troll on Netflix. Not what I expected. I liked it, though. Great visual effects on the troll. Kind of heartbreaking, too, with its story. I... It, it kind of is. Anne, I haven't seen it yet. Anne was watching the trailer. She goes, I want to watch this. I'm like, great. I want to watch it too. So I haven't had a chance to see it. Did you enjoy it? It's good, it? and I really did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot oh, to Oh, Ray, love. you saw it too? Yeah. What do you think about it? I, I, I liked it. I mean, there's... There's a lot of uh, a lot of the effects were actually better than a lot of the stuff in the theaters. Right so now. good. Yeah. The effects right. work is great. All right. What's next? Josh Sosa says predicting Doom steals Kang's chair after the Avengers defeat him and he makes his own for Battle World. Could be. That's Secret Could Wars. Be. Could be. Now, again, we all got to keep in mind that, well, we know what's going to happen in Avengers Secret Wars because in the comics, but the, uh, uh, yeah. Kevin Feige has shown many, many, many times just because a, a movie is called something after one of the comic stories, 
Sure, they'll take a lot of themes from it, but he'll also make a lot of big departures as well. I mean, for all we know, I think Doom will be in it. But for all we know, Doom won't even be in this thing, right? For all we know. So I'm just saying, let's make some guesses, but let's not make any big assumptions until we see, because we know Kevin Feige can deviate wildly from the source material, uh, usually to very good effect, but but we'll see. But that would be kind of cool if they did that. All right, what's next? Uh, Vixter5001 says, how is there only one episode left of Yellowstone? That can't be true. That can't be true. There's only been five or six episodes. Is that true? I mean, I, I don't follow episode count, but I, I think know. I thought just this past week's was episode five or something. Maybe I've lost count. I'll have to go back and look again. All right. What's next? Quality not included. Oh, nay, pardon me. Motossum says, damn, Marvel gave Cameron COVID. <laughs> Marvel secretly snuck some COVID patients onto his plane to make it miss his own. Ha! Ah, suck on that, Cameron. I can see. Feige says hello. <laughs> like, I don't know. All right, what's next? That's funny. Uh, Vic, uh, wait, no, go down. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, quality not included. It says, honestly, Nolan filming an actual nuke wouldn't be that special. We wouldn't be able to hear it. Laugh out loud. I don't, what? Because you can't hear it dialogue in nolan's movies oh my god okay that's good that's good that's fun that's a good comment yeah man i i do hope i especially after what was the name of the last one again uh the last nolan movie tenant tenant especially after tenant yeah god man chris what see that little slider push it up a little bit that one little one marked dialogue audio slide that up a little bit just gives a little bit more of that would you let us hear what's being said in your movies that would be fantastic and tom hardy is the voice of the nuclear weapon <laughs> i'm going to explode boom like i have to play all right what's next um go down a little bit uh arse gravy says nolan will have important dialogue during the blast <laughs> yes <laughs> An alien appeared to me last night. What? Yes, he told me the meaning of life is... Yeah, I can totally see that happening. All right, what's next? Ashay Thacker says, Hey, guys, would you say that Superman is as important to DC as Captain America is to Marvel? I'd say more important. And, and remember, Captain America, Steve Rogers, is my favorite character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not my favorite character in comic books, but my favorite character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But Superman is more important. And I, I mentioned this the other day, Rob, and I don't know what you think about this, but like Captain America being in your world doesn't fundamentally change your world. He's important. He does a lot of stuff. When, soup, when the Superman is in your world, that fundamentally changes everything about your world. It fundamentally changes like your understanding of the world. It does like, cause you're in a world where Superman is here. Like, right. It, 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 it changes. Oh, yeah. You build on that. So, so I would personally say that, yeah, Superman is actually more important to the DC universe than Captain America is to the Marvel universe. I mean, you don't, you may not agree. There may be some good arguments to make against that, but that's my initial thought. I don't know. What do you think? And I completely agree with you. I mean, they're, you know, when, when they ever cross over, it's always Superman versus Captain America. You know, literally. Not. It's usually Superman versus the one they did was Superman versus Hulk. Well, if you well, they did that, but if yeah. you look at like the crossover, because they're the same, you know, they're the same. They represent truth, justice, and the Well, American that's true way. too. Yeah. Philosophically, they're yeah, kind of the same. Philosophically. Yeah. All right, what's next? 
uh, Magic K says, Stone Cold, what? The Rock is losing money? What? The bottom line is another beer day? Only WWE fans will understand that reference. Is it, do they still, like, I don't watch the televised yes, show. Do, do they still, the audiences still do that? Yeah, Stone Cold Forever Ruined. Yeah, Forever that, ruined that was fun. But <laughs> That was fun at first. So what happened was Stone Cold Steve Austin got in this thing where when somebody else would be talking to him, he would just interrupt and going, what? What? And ever since, once he started doing that now, whenever totally non-Stone Cold Steve Austin related things, a guy will come in the ring and start talking and the audience start going, what? What? It, and just, it, was, it just ruined any dialogue. Yeah, it was funny at first, huh. but it's like one of maybe one of the reasons I stopped watching wrestling because it was just so irritating that audiences did That's that. Funny. So, but that was a good call out there. All right, what's next? Uh, Noah Gonzalez says, "Rob, I bought the Avatar Extended Edition. Amazing! It's a great set. It's a three disc set. It's got incredible stuff on it, and I'm glad you bought it because it's good." Was the, right. ex- was the extended? Um, is that what they re-released, or did it was it the theatrical? No, there's actually three. They no, I mean when oh, they did the re-release in theaters, I don't recently? think so. I think it was probably theatrical. Probably the theatrical. One. Okay. Yeah, because there's three different versions of Avatar. There's a theatrical, then there's that special edition with new footage they released, and then there's the extended version that was on home video. All right, what's next? Blood Inside Out says checked out Christmas Bloody Christmas on Shutter, and although I like the premise, it got stale. A bit, but it's a lot of fun. I've never heard of it. I don't know it either. All right. Well, there's that. But there's a recommendation, another recommendation for Shutter. I love Shutter. Please, Shutter, stay around. There's layoffs, everything. I love Shutter so much. What's next? Uh, TJ Slab uh, Slab Dragon Watson says, are you saying I should scrap the refrigerator idea and rely on (laughs) duck and cover? (laughs) It's funny. I remember the first time as a kid, even as a kid, you know, you'd see these old things from the 60s about they'd show these videos in school school chair that hey if you hear the nuclear blast warning go off duck and cover under your desk like what on earth is that supposed to do oh it's hilarious <laughs> there's a there's a there's a movie that came out called the atomic cafe right that talked about that the atomic era and they had those movies that the, they showed those they had clips from those films and like you'd have the announcement going well, when you hear the blow of well, the explosion what do you do duck and cover and these kids would get under their desks because then you'll be fine. You'll be totally fine. And there was a song like Duck and Cover. Oh, God. Terrible. Do you remember what was, I think it was in the 80s. It was a, a made-for-TV movie. The Day After. The Day something. After. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Dude, I have that on Blu-ray. <laughs> I Directed by Nicholas Meyer, who directed Star Trek Two. I went back maybe about two or three years ago and watched a bit of that. Because I came across it, I think, in my YouTube feed or whatever. Right? Yeah. Okay, obviously... The visual effects and a lot of that is a joke these days. But, like, yeah, look at those visual effects. But that's fucking terrifying. Oh. That thing, that's, yeah. like, as, 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 as much as something is made in the 80s, that thing is terrifying. So I was in high school, and they made a big deal, like, parents, there were parent groups up in arms, like, should our children even be able to watch this? Now, if you really want to have fun, there was a British counterpart movie. That was made at the same time as the day after called Threads. Hmm. Day after is at least Threads is the most depressing, horrible. It's really well made. But if you watch them as a double bill, you want to slit your own throat. Wow. It's just it's but threads, man. Woo! They but, need that Superman joy. I mean, yeah, at you know, least the day the, after. That's what these movies miss. At they, least you got nukes flying, though. At least the day after you've got some kind of threads. Well, was the like, problem oh, with man. it is if you survive it. 
you have to live in the fallout. So there's like it just gets worse. Yeah, yeah there is get, no surviving. Thre- threads Threads gets into how bad it gets. Woo! All right, is that it? That's it. All right, guys. We're gonna, that, we're gonna end we, it on nuclear war. Since <laughs> every good show should end on nuclear war, guys. Thank you so much for being here, and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much. For your support. Once again, don't forget a little bit later this afternoon at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we're going to be doing open mic. I hope you guys will come back and join me for that. So for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Orr has been back there, Jonathan Voico running the show, Taylor right over there, and of course myself, John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>